today's title, My Church, My Church. So we're going to be talking about the church today, but our scripture for the year, this is what we're concentrating on for the year is Romans 15, 13. This is a passion translation. It says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you with to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Isn't that an awesome scripture? I'm in the process of memorizing it, so uh, I encourage you to do the same thing. It'll be good. It'll be good. I know when it comes to family, churches, it just seems like the devil really likes to cause division, to cause strife. And uh, he's been pretty decent at that, but um, uh, he, he enjoys tearing the family apart, whether it's the church family, the home. But um, we are not ignorant of his devices, amen? And uh, I know that the, the Greek word, I'm not a Greek theologian. I, I have software that studies Greek for me. <clears throat> so um, uh, the, the Greek word for for church is ecclesia, and I knew that, And but uh, what I've always known is that word means called out ones, called out ones, but uh, the more that you study that word, it actually does not mean that. It means a congregation of called out ones, a congregation of called out ones, an assembly of the saints of God. So, I know when people, they say, I'm the church, uh, I understand what they mean. You know, they're saying that God lives in them. But in reality, what Paul was talking about, the church was not an individual person. You know, you somebody does not have to go to church to uh, be saved or to have God inside them. Obviously, we don't uh, think that. But uh, you, everybody can have God inside of them and be blessed outside of church, all right? So I don't want anybody getting a ditch on me. But at, having said that, when it comes to the church that Paul's talking about, when it comes to really having an impact in the world, in our nation, in Pueblo, it's going to take the church. It's going to take the church, which is the congregation of the called out ones. In other words, uh, we're not the church by ourselves, and that includes me, includes you. Uh, we become the church whenever we meet with other believers. David said this. King David said, "I, I would, my desire is to dwell in the house of God all the days of my life." He really wanted to dwell in the house of God, but God turns around in the New Testament and He says, "I don't want you to dwell in the house." I want to dwell in you. God, that's his desire. God's desire is to dwell in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, it says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. You are God's expensive purchase, paid for, for with tears of blood so by all means, then, use your body to bring glory to God. So I have often even combat sickness off of me. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you're the body of Christ, members individually. We're members individually. But a lot of times when I start getting a symptom or sickness come on me, I'll just say, my body is the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God. So you need to resist. You can actually resist sickness because sickness will think that it has a legal right to come on anybody and everybody. It does not. If you know who you are, if you know that your body is the temple of God, God dwells inside of this body, then it's illegal for sickness to come on you and me. That's a powerful thing. But it says now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Everybody's a member. And a lot of times Paul would take something in the natural and relate that to the spiritual. So he says the body of Christ, the church, is like a human body. Jesus is the head, and we all make up the body, individual members. And so just like my pinky, it's part of my body. But it functions at its peak when it's attached to me. Pretty simple illustration. It's the same way with you and me. I don't believe that you can be super effective and be a lone ranger when it comes to the family of God. Because, first of all, God wanted a family. He want, God is into family. He is into family. And so uh, we're going to find out that when God created Adam and Eve, he wanted family. And not just a few. He wants, I mean, like, what is there, almost 8 billion people on the planet now? And, uh, and it keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. And this was the plan of God for this to happen. Billions and billions of people. And he loves family. And so our church, one of the main things that I want us to realize is that things that come from the pulpit, things that you uh, get when you read the Bible, things you get when you pray, this is the primary function is to equip, encourage, and expand Christ's kingdom. We want to equip you. We want you to be encouraged. And we want to expand this kingdom. We want to expand the Rethink God. We want to expand that outside the four walls. And so our church, what does that look like? If you've been part of our church for years and years and years, you know that our church has changed in its personality. You know, each church has a a different personality. And uh, just like churches change, and they should change, by the way, it should change because if they never change, I've been to churches that have never changed. I mean, in the backwoods of Tennessee and Kentucky, I mean, I'm telling you, they go from 100 to 20 real quick. And it's because they don't change. But you got to be constantly changing, even in the church realm, as far as how you present the gospel, how you uh, package it, so to speak. But um, uh, I just know I've changed. Even since I've been a pastor, I've changed. How many realize that? How many been here long enough that I've... And some of you say, thank God that, that you... You have. But, um, I mean, when I was a toddler, when I was a kid before I was a teenager, uh, I changed. And when I became a teenager, I changed. Not necessarily for the better, but I did change. And then in my 20s, I changed. You know, we change. 
You know, when, I'm, if I, when I was in my a teenager, when I was a teenager, I did really scary, risky things, jumping off cliffs and hanging off cliffs and jumping out of all kinds of stuff and doing dangerous stuff. Now that I'm 60, I have no desire to do any of those things. <laughs> and somebody, I said this in the first service, and, they, and I said, and I, I'm, you know, it's just because, and somebody said, you're wiser. And I went, yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I'm wiser, but I've changed. And uh, the personality of this church has changed. And um, I know that what, I, I meditated upon this. What do I want our church to look like? What do I think that our church should be like? Have you ever thought of that? And uh, because I can watch, you know, sometimes I don't watch. Nellie says I shouldn't say this, and here I am saying it. I don't watch Christian TV that much at all. Everybody love the pastor? <laughs> Three of you. That's good. By the end of the year, we're going to try for 90%. But anyway, I, um, and it's just because it, it, I'm not even going to go there. Just forget that. Anyway, this is my whole point. I want our church to be something that it, I feel like comes from my heart. And this is what I want to, first of all, I want our church to know Father as Daddy. God as daddy. I mean, I believe that um, the Lord has shown me that in the last few years, that if somebody said, do you know God as father? I would go, yes. I did not. I did not. You know that word? I looked it up this week, Abba, to call God Abba. You know, it's not the, the 70s music group, but although I love them, by the way. But uh, it's, it doesn't mean, uh, I always thought it meant daddy. But in the original, there's really not a Greek or Latin word for that. But it said that the term that was meant to be used was an endearment term, it, to be endearing. So in other words, it was even more endearing than just daddy. You know, when somebody says daddy, you know, it's a close term. You know, not, you, not everybody can call me daddy, just my kids. Well, you can call me daddy. I probably won't answer. But, um, but that term in the Bible that Jesus was talking about calling Father God daddy was even more of an endearing term than just daddy. And I thought, wow, this is how God, our Father, wants to see him. This is why we need to rethink God. We need to rethink God. And I want us as a church family to see God more than just God as father, God who's a provider, but daddy. I mean, somebody that you can share your ugliness to, and they still love you. He sees your ugliness anyway. You might as well. You know, I, I was talking with God, and I was thinking we need to have a Jesus Come to Jesus meeting. You know what those are? My kids know what come to Jesus meeting is. It's uh, I hope Jesus comes before you have the meeting. It's because we don't want to go to that meeting. So I was having one of those meetings with God. I was just kind of like, why aren't you coming back? Like right now. I mean, just look at the world. It's just sad and their people are just having struggles. And just for a lot of people, life just really sucks. It's just really bad. Kind of like that Baltimore game last night, if you watched it. But anyway, uh, it was just really bad. 
And so uh, I shouldn't use sports or movies when I, for illustrations because everybody's gone. Anyway, I just, uh, what was I saying? Life is really bad, like that game. But, uh, and I was talking to God about this, and this is the way I was seeing things. And he said, I don't see things the way that you see things, Mike. I don't see people the way that you see them. I see people with the power of everything that I've given inside of them, and that's what I'm looking at. So he says, what I'm wanting you to do is cause people to understand what I have done so they can start to rule and reign on the planet right now. There is nothing going to be ruling and reigning as far as overcoming something when Jesus comes back. But he expects us to rule and reign today, right now. And I'm like, okay. So that's what I want us to do. That's, I'm going to do my best to get us in that frame of mind instead of, man, life is just hard. Life is just tough. Is it hard? Everybody knows that. I don't have to say that. I can get up here and tell you what a crappy few days I've had. I can tell you, man, it's just bad. And this and that. But that's not going to help anybody. Or I could tell you and teach you and train you to say you have the ability to rule and to reign. You have the ability to walk in health and prosperity. You have the ability to overcome no matter what this situation is going on in your life. So that's one of the things I want to do. I want to be able to do that. But you have to know God as Father. In John 17, 3, I I think that's, did I say that the first service? John 17, 3, that eternal life is knowing God. And this is eternal life, that you may know the one and only true God. Most people think that eternal life is living forever in heaven. That's eternal life. That is not even eternal life. That is not even eternal life. I'm trying to get your attention. I'll do anything to get your attention. Just about. But that's not eternal life. Knowing God as Father is eternal life. And for the most part, the church as a whole, we don't know Father. And this is a problem. Because if you're going to have eternal life manifested in your life, it only comes by knowing God as Father. I don't know if you got that or not. If you want to walk in the healing power of God, if you want to walk in the blessings and the promises of God, It's not a matter of you performing or even getting enough faith for that to happen. You know what it takes? It's knowing God as Father. That stuff will start. It comes more effortlessly to walk in healing, to walk in the prosperity of God, to walk in that scripture. Now may God fill you with inspiration And a fountain, I'm trying to, I told you, I'm learning on that, Romans 15, 13. A fountain of hope. And that you be filled with uncontainable joy. Uncontainable joy. That's just, you know what that is? That's crazy joy that can't be put in a box. It's overflowing, unbelievable joy. And then perfect peace. 
as you trust Him. Why do we have to trust Him? Because in the natural, you look at yourself, I look at myself, we look at each other and go, I'm, I just don't measure up and there's so many issues in my life and I'm seeing everything from my perspective. Instead of seeing everything while Jesus says, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the way God sees you. That's the way He sees you and me. So we have to believe that. And we have to trust God that that's the way we are right now. You know, this quantum uh, physics, you know, I don't know when it started becoming knowledge of quantum physics. Some of you super educated people, when did it? Was like the last 20 years? 30? 40? 40 years? Quantum physics. They say this, that you can actually be in two places at the same time. Now, your brain and my brain goes, nah. Everybody who has a brain should be going, nah. Some of you don't have. Anyway, but the point is this, that you can, you can be in two places at one time. <laughs> oh, which means I can be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and I can be in Pueblo, Colorado at the same time. Now, your brain goes, what? It can, that's the way God can see us. And for you and I to start seeing the way that he sees us and start thinking the way that he thinks, we have to start trusting in a way that we've never trusted. Because in Isaiah, you know, I've said that a couple of weeks ago, that God doesn't think the way that you and I think. He does not think the way that you and I think. Which means that he thinks you're awesome all the time, 100% of the time, when you mess up. When you choose poorly, when you just mess up all the time, when you just mess up all the time. I don't know any other way to say it. And he still looks at you and goes, you are perfect in my sight. I love you. I think highly of you. I am pleased with you. And you think, I, I, I just doesn't make sense. The reason it doesn't make sense is because you're not thinking like God thinks because God doesn't think the way that you think. So... Our goal is to start changing the way that we think not only about God, but we start changing the way that we think about ourselves. We have to start changing the way we think about ourselves. Our church, what does it look like? Well, I thought this. I thought we just got to get everybody to believe the way that we believe. And I, just, I could be wrong, but I just felt like the Lord said, good luck with that. This is the thing. I don't think until Jesus comes, everybody's going to think the same way as far as doctrine. As far as doctrine. And I thought, well, we're going to have unity. I always thought that unity meant that we all need to believe the same thing. It is not. That's not true unity. True unity. My point is this. I hope, I hope that people will come to this church and feel welcome and accepted and loved even though they don't totally hook up with the doctrine that maybe I believe or somebody down the end of the row believes. Because I don't believe doctrine is what's going to unify us. You know what's going to do it? Because Jesus didn't say this. He didn't say, this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. Because you all have the same doctrine and you all think the same thing. He didn't say that. 
He said something that's so profound. He said, this is how the world is going to know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. is for your love for one another. That's what's going to cause unity. That is what's going to cause unity, not doctrine. And so churches split and divide because, well, I don't believe like that. I don't think that way. And so, well, and then they leave or whatever. And, and, uh, but love is what's going to cause unity. And the Lord has just, I can't wait till February because I, I want to say some things that the Lord has showed me about love that I thought, you know, it's, when it comes to grace, five years ago, if you would ask me, man, I just knew what grace was. And then after five years, I knew nothing about grace, I found out. And now the Lord's starting to show me that about love. I go, are you kidding me? I know a couple of things about love. And the Lord goes, not really. I'll go, come on. I mean, this is the foundation for what I preach while I stand up here. He goes, yeah, I know. It's not that funny. But anyway, it's funny. You don't laugh when I'm trying to be funny, but then I'm being serious, and then you laugh. Something's wrong with that picture. We need something up there like they did on the old Johnny Carson day. You know, laugh now. Now. I shouldn't use Johnny Carson. Half a party, I don't even know who that is. But anyway. The way that I want, I, I'm trying to be serious now. The way that I feel like I want our church to be, and we're not going to be perfect at it, but I feel like we're going to grow in this this year a lot more than we have, and that is that no matter who comes, if they believe different, if they look different, if they act different, or if they're just plain weird according to our standard, that we're still going to love and accept them. But you cannot do that in your own strength in between your ears. You cannot. You cannot. Your body would just go, they're weird. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't accept them and I don't love them. So there. But there is a revelation of love that we haven't touched yet. It's a revelation that hung on the cross and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We know that. We read that every Easter, but we don't have a clue what that means as far as understanding and having a revelation of it. You can know something, but Paul says, in knowing. You know what that means? It means you can read it, but you don't get it. I think when it comes to the love of God, we know it, but we ain't getting it. And the reason I know that is because when you do get it, you love people no matter what. No matter what. If they're Democrat, if they're Republican, if they're stupid, which a lot of those people in those two can't. No, I wouldn't. But anyway. I'm so sorry, but it is so true. But anyway, you still love them. I mean, there's some people on the political platform. I mean, I'm not there yet. (laughs) So God says, see, I told you you don't know what love is because he says, I love them. Did you hear me? Because God says, I love that one that you just think it's just an ignoranius and all these other things. I love that one. I died for that one. I died for that one. 
So we want to teach this year and have a revelation that you know God is Father so you can experience eternal life here and now, not when you get to heaven. To experience eternal life, which means it's manifesting in your life, which means you have more victory, which means you get uh, walking in healing at a greater degree, walking in having your needs met at a greater degree. That's eternal life. We desire that to happen. But you have to know the Father for that to truly start manifesting in your life. And you have to know him as your daddy. Who's your daddy? (laughs) You have to know that you're righteous and holy before God. That he made you that way. And if you understand that you're righteous and holy, you'll walk in a greater authority than you ever have in your whole entire life. So we want to teach that. This is what I want our church to look like. This is what I'm saying, all right? I'm saying, what do I want our church to look like? I meditate upon this. Well, I want all of us to know Father is God, is a daddy to you, to know and experience his love for you. If you don't understand that, that is a foundational thing, but it's a thing that it's going to take all eternity for you and I to, to, to unwrap how much God loves us. To understand that you're righteous, that you're holy. You have to understand that if we're going to walk and see ourselves the way that God sees us. You have to know yourself. Knowing God. What do you want our church to look like? This is what I want. This is my desire. And I believe that God is giving me the desires of my heart. I believe we're going to see God as Father like we never have in 2020. I believe we're going to understand righteousness and holiness and how much he loves us like we never have. I believe we're going to experience and manifest. It's going to manifest in your life and my life the eternal life that God has meant for us to experience here on planet Earth. Knowing him. Well, in Ephesians 4.11, it says this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Man, that's a mouthful. This is why you're hearing and being taught. Why? Until you reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all, in all things, grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ, from him The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament that grows and builds itself up in love. And each part does its work. So he's talking about the body here. He's talking about the church. So you have a part to play. Everybody has a part to play. You have a gift. You have something to do. Uh, Before service started, Dan came in my office. He said, I don't know who cleans the church. It's not, a, you know, I, I just want you to know you got some awesome people because I was into the bathroom and it was just really clean. I went, it's that whole Trujillo clan. You know, there's 40, 50 of them, but I mean, it's a whole Trujillo clan. I'm kidding, it's not. But when they get out of the car, it does look like it. it's kind of like. There's some big families in our, in our church. 
But uh, when they keep getting out of the car, they just keep getting out of the car. You think, how big is that car? But, uh, but anyway, we, we have families that do things that's behind the scenes. We have people that do stuff. We have people that give that I don't even know what they give. And, and they pray, and I don't even know what they pray. But this is the thing. We are all part of this family. And you may think that I don't do anything. I absolutely don't do. Yes, you do. The Bible says that each one of us brings a supply. I don't know what that means, and I don't know, understand what it is, but I just trust God that he says that everybody has a supply, whether you're a teenager, whether you're 80, whether you're, you're a toddler. You have a supply that each one of us needs, and it helps us. I don't, I don't get that, but I just, okay. I remember years ago, it was Travis and Catherine Waller. We were having coffee with them or something. This must have been 20 years ago or longer. And Travis said that. Melody and me were sitting there. He said, you know, we just don't really do anything in the church. You know, we just don't really feel vitally part of the church. And Melody just spoke up. I'll never forget what she said. She says, oh, yes, you're a precious, vital part of our church. I don't remember if you remember that, Catherine. Melly sat there and said, you guys have been married for 50 years, over 50 years. I went to their 50th wedding anniversary at the Broadmoor. Now, that's where you need to have an anniversary. <laughs> and uh, just their stability and marriage and just who they are, when they came, when they come and sit down in the church, they're bringing stability to something that nobody else may have, unless you've been married 50 years or whatever. And they come, and they sit, and Melody says, that brings stability to our church. And I looked at her, and I went, yeah, what she, oh, yeah, what she said. That's, yeah, you're vitally a part of this church. But the Lord never let me forget that. He says, you remember that, because everybody brings something to the table. Everybody brings something to the table. I'm talking to you today. Those who, there are a lot of those who think, I just really don't bring anything. Yes, I'm talking to you today. I don't totally understand everything that everybody, but I don't have to. Thank God I don't have to. I just accept that when you show up, other stuff shows up. When you show up, other stuff, a supply shows up. Good stuff shows up. Things that I don't, things that maybe nobody knows about. You know, whether it's like cleaning, nobody knows about that. Whether it's people do stuff in our church that I don't even know everything that everybody does. When somebody asked me, I remember something about media or whatever, I said, go ask Danielle. I have no clue. And I, and I just think, I'm thankful. I don't, I don't have to know it all. I just have people that know it all. But people bring things, and I need, God needs, his family, his body needs everything. Aren't you thankful for your pinky today? Aren't you thankful for your baby toe? I love my baby. I broke it when I was a kid. I'll never forget that. I'm thankful. I'm probably more thankful than most people for baby toes. I'm just thankful for the whole part of the body. Aren't you thankful for the thing? We're so concerned about things that are seen. But, honey, it is far more important the things that are not seen on your body. Aren't you thankful for your heart, your liver, your lungs? 
I'm even thankful for, I still got my appendix. I want to keep it. I don't want it. I want it there. I don't know what it's for, but I, if it, God gave it, I, I want it. <laughs> Things that don't show, the gallbladder, the intestines. I don't want to see any of that stuff. Let's just be perfectly clear. I don't want to, when you start, they start showing those, those are x-rated. I don't want to see any of my guts, but I'm glad I got it all. And all, everything functions right, but I don't see it. But it's vitally important. You know, we may not see everything that you bring to the table. We may not see what you do, but I, 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 God has given me revelation as a pastor, knowing that you're vitally important to this family. You're vitally important to this family. So, for 2020, <clears throat> when it comes to church, I'm part of an organization, most of you probably don't know this, it's called Wealth Builders. Uh, in February, they meet every February, but I do things throughout the year for them as well. And uh, I speak at it, and I, I'm part of that organization. And Wealth Builders is run by a, a good friend of mine, Billy Epperhart, who's a multimillionaire, and he believes that God is speaking to people to raise up money to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And uh, there's not too many people that can see that. But God wants people to manifest his goodness in the business realm, in the political realm, in the media realm. How about Hollywood? I mean, there's been more Christian movies impact in the last two or three years than ever. When I was a kid growing up, Christian and movie was never in the same sentence. And when they did start making movies, they shouldn't have. It, they were really... <laughs> They were really bad. They were really horrible. But now, man, I mean, you go to a theater, and, man, you go, hey, that was good. Hey, it was entertaining. <laughs> Instead of like, Jesus, help us all. But, uh, <laughs> and so God wants to impact every, listen to me, every fiber of this planet, God wants to show up and manifest himself. Whether it's the business realm, the entertainment industry, the political realm, the, the educational realm. You name it, God wants to show up outside of the four walls of this church. So my point is, maybe you need to get a different perspective of what you're doing that you could be having a greater impact on the kingdom of God because you're doing something that's not necessarily ministry in the way that we think of ministry. Because I believe God, it's just, this is so small. I'll just be honest. This is such a small part of ministry. It's a small part. A bigger part is there's so many different areas of life that God wants to raise you up and say, I've gifted you in that. I've gifted you in doing that. I've gifted you. I'm, I met a guy who was 19, 20 years old, and he knew that he was gifted to make money for the kingdom of God. He knew that at age 19. I, I, I met him in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went to him. He was a Lexus dealer. He was making money. Thousands of dollars back. This was back in, I was in Tulsa in 1989. 1989. I'm sure he's a multimillionaire today. Multimillionaire. God wants to get our perspective difference. He wants the church to come alive in different areas that we've never dreamed possible. He's going to use you to do that. He's going to use you to do that. I didn't get to a lot of stuff. Um, Hebrews 3.12. Let me just read that. See to it, brothers, that none of you 
has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence that we had at first. It's been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Sin's deceitfulness, that scripture, that phrase in verse 13, sin's deceitfulness. It's not talking about uh, your behavior. It's not talking. That phrase means offense leading to error. Getting offended because of something God did do or didn't do for you. Offended over uh, something. For, for example, the grace message. The first time I heard something about grace, it offended me. Don't raise your hand, but did the grace message... Some of you probably still are offended uh, at the grace message. But anyway, do you get offended when I talk about grace? Do you get offended when I talk about God wants you well? Do you get offended over that God wants you blessed and prospered and have an abundance? Do you get offended over certain things? Because he says when you get offended over something, you get your heart hardened in that area. You see, when the Bible says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, he didn't really harden his heart. What he did, he did some things that were manifested, and Pharaoh couldn't line up with it, so that hardened his heart. He hardened his heart, not God. But God was doing something, and when God did something, he couldn't agree with it or believe it or accept it, so he hardened his heart. So that's what happens still today. If you don't believe something, then your heart gets hardened in that one area. If you don't believe that God wants you blessed, prospered, abundance, then you will get hardened in that area one area. If you don't believe that uh, God accepts you and he's not based, our relationship with God is not based upon performance, then you'll harden your heart in that area. I just don't want us to have a hardened heart in any area. I'm not there yet, but I know that as a church, when we start becoming, hearing things that maybe are outside of your box, some of the things I'm talking about today and every Sunday, just be open, be teachable. I'm not even saying that you have to agree with it or believe it. Because again, I don't believe we're going to be in total unity because we all are believing doctrinally the same thing. I don't have a problem with you believing something different. Are you hearing me? I truly don't. Don't just shove your stuff down my throat if I say, I, I don't believe that. All right, I'm going to have to skip a lot. Let me go down to Matthew 16, 18. My time's up. I give you the name Peter Stone. And the truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation of which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, you've gotten revelation. And this is going to be the foundation of the church of who I am. That is the foundation, the cornerstone, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the church. That is what he said, and death is not even going to be able to overcome that. Everybody thinks death is the most powerful thing. Death can't even stop the power of the church. You know why? Because he says the church is in heaven and earth. So when you die, you're still part of the great family of God. Death can't even separate it. Is that awesome? Death cannot even separate us. Listen, I believe this year we're going to understand so much more about how much he loves us, 
how much God is our Father. And it's going to cause such unity in our local assembly. It's going to cause unity. It's going to cause love to be manifested outside of these four walls. It's going to cause things to happen in the business realm, in the media realm, every part of the economic realm, the educational realm. I believe Pueblo can change in the educational realm. I believe Pueblo can change in the economy realm. I believe everything is possible. But it's going to take people knowing the Father so those things can be manifested in our everyday life. God is concerned about your job, about your education, your children. He's, he's concerned about all of those things. And he wants to be intertwined. It's not like, okay, this is church and God is in that box. No. God is in the box called life. <laughs> he's in the box called life. And he wants to be intertwined in every facet of your life, your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, what you do. Amen? Let's stand. Ephesians 3.14. Let's just read this one up here real quick. Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, everybody say family, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In heaven and earth, family. There's nothing like family. There is nothing like family. And I believe that God is uniting our hearts together at Rocky Mountain Family Church. He's, he's connecting our hearts. He's connecting our hearts. And I'm telling you, we're going to be a stronger family knit unit than we ever have. And the great thing about family is when you are hurting or when something's going on, man, family comes along. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be believing for you. My faith is going to rise for you. I mean, stuff is going to happen this year. It is. But man, if you know you got family praying for you, standing with you, when you screw up, still loving you, don't you love people? That you know if you screw up, they still love you. And there's not that many. There's not that many people that you, if, if I screw up, you know, especially as a pastor. If I screw up as a pastor, I mean, I mean the whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket. Okay, that was a good thing to say. But anyway, my point is this, that, you know, but there's people that we need to become those people. Those people. Who are those people? That when somebody fails, we don't just, okay, start digging a hole. We're going to bury it. No, we're going to speak life into you. We're going to speak love into you. We're going to just, the, the, the eternal life that God has given us is going to be manifested, and we're going to raise you up. Raise you up. Christians are the worst for stabbing people in the back. They're terrible at it. But not this church. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for family. That we are the family of God. You're uniting us, causing us to see one another differently, causing love to be manifested, causing our eyes to be open to Father, to Daddy, so that we can walk and experience eternal life here on this planet. Thank you for the uncontainable joy and perfect peace that you said that we have. And that as we trust you, we will see that manifested. 
I thank you, God, for speaking to Rocky Mountain Family Church, causing us to be all ministers of the gospel, that we are all ministers of the gospel. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.